the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, I went to the Shakespeare plays again this year, so I'll say something from Othello. I am not what I am. That was from uh, uh, Loso, or the bad guy. And the guy that played him in the play was fantastic. Anyway, we have a new newsletter out for all those people who uh, just tuned in for the first time. This is our September newsletter. It comes out every month if you'd like to get involved. You know, you just go to our email. Um, you know, go, go to WHK 1420 AM, uh, the, the answer. And, you know, they... They have a local podcast. You go down that to Tim Hayes, and um, you know it has all my. It goes directly to my webpage. That's the easiest way to do it. So, WHK fourteen twenty AM. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. Bingo. Uh, but th- this is kind of interesting. Do millennials need life insurance? Five retirement lessons from today's retirees. Social Security storing up America's safety net, and why should I file? The FAS, the FAS, FAFSA, and when should I file it? Okay, so there we go. Uh, you know, I, I keep going to my webpage. If you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM and you hit local podcast, go down to my webpage. Get everything you want to see. If you want to get in touch with me, that's a good way to get in touch with me. Uh, you know, hit the uh, contact me or email me. It does have a couple good things there: daily technical analysis. Sometimes, if you see what's going on in the market, you understand better. The Market Week uh, has a whole bunch of stuff about uh, cyber security, uh, also data breaches at the bottom of the page. I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, I talk about this rewriting retirement, and I'm thinking about doing a seminar uh, for this because I think it's such an important piece, and we've only had like four or five people send in for it. So uh, it's, it's a great way. It's a, It makes you think. So I've been talking about credit, and I was at a, uh, I was in Pittsburgh this week, and I, I I heard a, a horror story from one of my compatriots in uh, he, he has a radio show also uh, in the Baltimore Washington D.C. area and uh, great guy and he told me this story uh, and he sets up a credit line for all his clients and you know the thing about credit lines is ninety nine percent of the time you don't use them but ninety nine percent of the people use them sometime. Okay, so 99% of the time you don't use them. But 90, 90, I'm sorry, it's 98% of the time they use them for something. Okay, so this is a story, and this is what he told me. He said he had a client that was making $750,000 a year. And uh, one of his compatriots got fired. And he was making about the same amount of money. They were executive vice presidents with his corporation. And uh, so it took him two years. He actually got a better job. But in those two years, he was he was hurting. Now, if you would have taken a credit line, and by the way, during those two-year period, you know, he just got hired, rehired again, was a pretty bad period for the market. So you had to take your stocks out and sell them, at, you know, when things were bad. Wouldn't it have been better to borrow a little bit and then pay it back when you had the cash? That's what, that's what credit savviness is okay knowing when to borrow and when when to sell if you have to but when to borrow when you can to to get out of bad situations so uh, there's a we have a book out called the craddy savvy investors credit workbook i highly recommend it i had uh two people in my office uh on monday and, you know, they said, you know, you really made us think about those questions to consider when you're retiring. And those questions were a couple of weeks ago. What is the individual's expected longevity? Is he or she married? If so, what is the difference between the spouses? 
Is the individual divorced? If so, did it happen? Did they have a previous marriage in the last 10 years? Uh, is the individual going to continue working? Are there children who are minors or disabled? Are there dependents? And so we went through all that. And look, a lot of people say, uh, you know, they ask, when are you going to retire? And I think you got to take it a different viewpoint. And, I, you know, it, it goes back to rewriting retirement. I think you have to say to yourself, how do I envision retirement? All right. You know, I want to go back to credit Sabbath lines. Uh, I had a client a while back who, and I, I talked to him about this, and he, 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 he said, I don't have time to do this. And if he, if he would have taken 10, 15 minutes to fill out the form, he probably would have saved himself a bundle. But he wanted to buy some equipment. And instead of using the credit line and our equipment leasing group, he went out and he paid almost a full percentage point more. So it's amazing what you can do with a credit line. And, you know, RBC has tentacles and everything. So uh, we can lend money to you on a credit basis. We have investment bankers. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I've noticed uh, when it comes to private equity these days is that private equity is lowballing people big time. And the difference between the bid that private equity is offering people for their companies and what an investment banker can get to you is the widest I've ever seen it. It's the widest I've ever seen it. So uh, if you're selling a company, uh, you might want to contact us because we, uh, believe me, I've, I've seen some people. Look, I'm not giving the guys uh, in private equity a hard time. You know, they're doing their best. They want to buy low and sell high. Uh, but there are some things out there that you ought to know about. You know, reducing greenhouse gas emissions is believed to be critical in keeping the world uh, rise in global temperatures uh, this century under two degrees Celsius. What what would need to happen for them to reach that goal is basically uh, it is estimated to meet that objective of keeping the regular global temperature to increase to 2% or less. They'll have to decline approximately 20% over the next decade. And, you know, there's a lot of millennials who are now starting to uh, invest responsibly. Uh, God bless them. I think that's a great thing. Uh, but it it's, you know... It might be the reason that a lot of the oil companies, you know, the, uh, the weighting of oil in the S&P 500 is now the lowest ever. And it may be because all these people are dumping them. But look, if, if, if we just keep this to two degrees Celsius or less, uh, it's a very ambitious goal. It's, and some countries have already put forth uh, plans to cut the emissions. But, uh, you know, the reason the Paris Accord was kind of weird was, was that the, the, the big people who were really doing all the damage didn't have to do anything. So I hope they, they come up with a new one. You know, um, look, there's, I mean, all I could talk about is le- this last week and a half is but there's been a certain amount of uncertainty. <laughs> I mean, every day it's like, a you know, the average daily move is 413 points. And, uh, you know, last week the, the, the Rimini or the uh, Yuan broke a key level at seven. Uh, you know, so it takes... You know, it's it's seven yuans to the dollar, which is a you know that's that's a decoupling uh, from where it's been in the past. So we've had some unfriendly trade winds, and it's I think it's putting the the sell off in retali in in perspective. Is that you know we we hit them with a tariff, they retaliate with lowering their uh, their currency. Um, so you know we made them a currency manipulator. They they start doing things. So. The currencies actually offset the tariffs. So there you go. So I, I think if anybody has a sweet tooth right at the moment, there's a couple things that I'm going to talk about that I think you need to know, uh, but I'm going to talk about that in the second half so you have to stick around. But look, the yield curve is inverted, but uh, it's not inverted with the 2 to 10 year. Uh, it's, it's at zero. It's the first time since 2007. And while a, a, you know, a recession is in no way in, inevitable, you got to understand there are certain factors here, and that is, in Germany, they have a negative yield. So for 10 years, you borrow money from the government, and you got to pay them back a quarter of a point. Sound like a good deal? Eh, wrong answer. Okay, so uh, if you, there is a reason why these things are inverting is because they're buying our 10-year yield. It's that simple. So just think about it. So, look, I, I was looking at, you know, the moves, and, you know, the S&P made a move down from, 3,000 all the way to 2,600, then racketed back up, then racketed back down, and we broke a double top last week. So 
I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. We did, we did the same thing with the uh, NASDAQ. So it'll be interesting to see. But one thing I want to mention is I've been talking about dividend growth stocks, the dividend aristocrats. They weren't down last week. They're up a, a whopping 6 7% this year on capital gains and another 3.4% on dividends. The dividend yield now is higher uh, on the S&P 500, is higher than the 10-year Treasury and the 30-year Treasury. So people looking for yield are going to go where? Dividend growth portfolios. Uh, we've been talking about this uh, for a long time. Now, something happened this week, and I think this is really important. The American Association of Invest- Individual Investors Investor Survey was released last Thursday, and only 21.7% of the individuals are bullish. Uh, so that means 48.2% are bearish. This weekly is, is, is a survey has been going on for about 50 years now. But the current chart level, uh, if we put this on a chart, matches the multi-year uh, lows set in December of last year. And it actually goes back. It's, it's one of the lowest readings, uh, one of the four lowest readings in history. So that's kind of interesting. So, uh, look, the 10-year Treasury's you know, sitting at one, uh, 154. So yield is important. And, you know, we, we pound the table on yield back in May of 2018. You can, I, I, you know, you can go to uh, WHK 1420 and go to local podcasts. I think we go back that far. Uh, but one of the things I've been noticing is that relative strength, the spread is on the rise. So the relative strength stocks are holding up much, much better than the other ones. So you're seeing, you know, I mean, many technology stocks have been among the relative strength leaders, and, and many of the energy stocks have been – uh, getting hammered. So relative strength broke out to a new high as, uh, uh, by, of technology stocks versus the S&P 500, while energy's hitting a new low. So you're seeing more of that. Now, Lori Calcivina, who's our head strategist, she thinks with the, uh, the she, she looks at bol- uh, gold prices and, and they think they could hit higher numbers here. Um, and she thinks it's, uh, you know, she's a little wary of the inherent vulnerabilities of gold. She thinks that they could go higher. So one of the things I did notice is the core bond fund, the AGG did hit a new high, broke a double top and it's the third major double top it's broken. So, uh, you know, like I said, bonds, people are buying bonds like crazy. I'm going to talk about more about bond yields and, and how oversold they are and that type of thing in the next uh, scenario. But look, we've had one, two, three, four, five, six times when the 10, 10-year and two-year Treasury spread went inverted, and we did not have a recession in the last couple of years. So uh, don't jump off a cliff <laughs> right yet. Uh, the U.S. government bond, though, is 188% overbought, and so is in the general long bond is a 203% overbought. Uh, that's what we'll talk about soon. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. back we just tuned in to the smart investor show i'm tim hayes and you know last week we talked to you about the bullish percent turning over and it went down a lot it went down like uh nine percentage points this week so um you know, it's been quite a quite a volatile volatile time but i think what you gotta you, you gotta consider is how to manage your portfolio in a field position like this because we're at 40 so it's not the end of the world but you know from 40 to 30 can be very painful and we are coming into a seasonally weak period in the stock market, uh, August and September. So, look, the long-term technical picture of the market is strong. Uh, however, we see some near-term work- weakness, okay? What we've been go- seeing is big moves up in the stock market, and this has been since the bottom in 2009. And since, be- and since it's such a weak recovery, when we do have consolidation periods, they tend to be kind of mini bear markets, okay? So I think we're... I've been saying that, you know, for a while. This isn't over yet. This isn't over yet for a long time in front of people. Some people listen, some people haven't. But I think, um, you know, this may be a pause that refreshes because I'm talking about this four-year cycle. And I think the, you know, the uh, if we break through uh, in the fourth quarter, like I think we're going to, this may be a good time to buy, uh, especially with the, you know, the number of bulls on the American Association of Individual Investors at 21. 
I think Thursday it came below that, and I. Uh, but I, I wrote the number down, and I, I left it on my desk, so I apologize. But the bullish percent would break a double bottom at uh, at thirty eight, so that would not be good. Uh, but I, I think what you have to do is is think of some things. You know, here here's some ways to solve the problem. If you want to buy, you know, substitute an ETF for the individual stock to reduce the risk. But make sure that that individual stock, if you really like it, has a high weighting in that ETF. Sell the stock and buy a call, you know, if you're if you're into that thing. Consider buying protective puts where they have ETFs out there that manage the downside for you. Uh, you know, sometimes people buy the the leveraged ones. Just remember they're reset daily, okay? So you got to be smart about those things. Uh, tighten up your stop losses if you have them, or, you know, stop losses is a little bit more difficult simply because these days the traders are taking them out. Um, but trim a position while you still have some, you know, look, I have uh, a bunch of uh, Roku. And I, I said, you know, look, the analyst downgraded it uh, to a neutral, not to a sell, but to a neutral, and they've missed three of the 10 quarters they've been around. They blew it on to the top. I sold part of it, okay, in a lot of cases, and some cases they sold all of it. Uh, they took a profit, stocks up another 20 bucks, and they're probably not happy about it. But the people who sold just part of it aren't complaining. Uh, you know, being we were up about 115%, so, you know, we did pretty well. So watch for deterioration, technical attributes of your stock. You know, that can be another thing. And hold the strong relative strength sectors. Uh, and f- you got to focus on those that are favored. The problem is, <laughs> is uh, there's only six favored sectors. So I think, you know, what I would be doing right now is evaluate your portfolios. I looked at everybody's portfolio twice this week, and, uh, you know, you should have candidates that you like to, you know, you need to sell them. Uh, you know, I've got a couple foreign stocks that I've sold. I, I had some uh, electronic companies that do a lot of business over in China that I sold. Uh, so you, you got to be a little more careful. So, I mean, the defensive strategies, I think, for individual stock positions are this. Sell the stock. Set a, set a stop uh, upon violation of any kind of support or the uptrend line. Uh, you can buy a protective put on the stock if you want to go long-term on it. Sell the stock and buy the ETF with a high you know, uh, weighting of that stock. Sell the stock and buy the calls. Uh, that way you're t- taking most of your money off the table, and if the calls go away, they go away. Uh, sell calls against the position, you know, if you're really worried, that if you really want to hold the stock, and that works pretty well too. So uh, just a few things. Uh, Look, one of, the, one of the things I'm worried about is the relative strength on the utilities. Uh, it, it, the, the relative performance on the utilities, I should say, has not been increasing versus the S&P 500, and the, and the transports continue to lag behind the Dow industrials. Uh, it's not something you want to see because the transports usually lead the Dow. So the question is, will you know, they, they hold here, whatever, uh, but, you know, if – if what I think is going to happen with, uh, I think there's going to be a, a, a rise in interest rates because nobody's expecting it. That's my opinion. But if you look, uh, utilities, REITs, and healthcare are the top three performing sectors in the last two quarters. Uh, and then consumer staples, which, you know, we, Lori Calcivina has been talking about for some time now. So if you've been listening to the show, you know, you know what we're talking about. But the Russell 2000 is lagging drastically behind. And, uh, that's not, you know, you want the small caps to, to wake up and start going higher. And they should, by the way, if indeed the uh, interest rates are going to continue to go lower. But look, we have some positive things going our way. For five years now, the Fed has been raising interest rates basically on a quarterly basis. They've also been taking about $50 billion a month out of the market. That's $2.2 trillion. The economy is only five, $55 trillion, so it's about 4%. They've taken out, given to the Treasury, never to be heard of again. Okay? So... The fact that they're changing direction, I think, is positive. The fact that everybody in the American Association of Individual Investors survey is basically bearish. When you get the 50% bearish, and we're at 48.7, or uh, 2, I'm sorry, uh, can't read my own handwriting, uh, that's a good sign. But we are in a seasonally weak period, and I think that's what you gotta, you know, you got to look at. The global markets look really kind of tough still. Uh, I thought they'd be turning around. Uh, I, I, I don't think the... Uh, Look, what we're worried about is deflation right now. So that's simple, and things are deflating. And so uh, the monetary models are not uh, working now. Uh, look, I think the other day when we went down 700 
uh, points and then rallied back up and then went down the 800 points. Might have been kind of a cataclysmic low, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but the the dollar uh, continues to hold up, although it broke its up short-term uptrend line. It'll be interesting to see. Gold is at the top of its trend line, so I think you want to be a little bit more careful with gold. Okay, so, uh, all right. Uh, one of the things, the other thing I'm seeing, and this is, you know, back to the millennials again, is renewable energy has been picking up. Uh, and I think that, you know, the millennials are madly in love with it. So I've got two or three names in that area I really, really like. Uh, I, I'm just doing a little homework uh, over the weekend here on those things. So, uh, you know, th- that's what I'm seeing. Uh, some other things, you know, I, I listened to a couple conference calls this week, and, you know, I think everybody's eyes right now are on, are on a retest of that 800-point drop. So uh, the next week is likely to prove on a very technically important, as the S&P retraces that last week's oversold uh, bounce for a retest of that low. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, while it's obvious uh, and probably premature to state a successful retest is in place, uh, you know, we'll see. Our expectation is the recent low uh, will probably be the cataclysmic low. So, uh, look, market levels matter. In absence of some kind of clarity on long list of worries that we have, tariffs, currency, instability, Brexit, Argentina. You know, Argentina, the bottom dropped out. It looks like they're going to devalue again or they're going to default on their bonds negative yields hong kong etc you know i mean there's there's more worries than our positives right at the moment it's kind of hard to keep your head up but look when everything when, when it's darkest the dawn is not far away okay and the dawn will come i i think i'm talking about this fourth year this the four-year cycle and that should mean the fourth quarter should be a pickup so i i think you know, the 10-year yield, the, the downside, you know, the low was 1.38% during the Obama years, and we may get back there. But look, I, one of the things I did see is is the junk bonds uh, remain resilient, and, and I think that's important. And I, I think, you know, what we may be doing is, you know, we, we went down and the relative or, or the short-term momentum got to oversold, bounced, and now it's back to oversold again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and also, you know, we talked about this cycle looks exactly like the cycle in 2016, right before the election. I mean, it looks exactly like it. So we'll see. And then once again, the Citigroup economic surprise um, thing that they put out is down near the bottom. And it's, you know, so there could be some positive economic surprises versus economic. And I keep talking about that bullish sentiment. You know, it's a contrary uh, scenario is is in the brew i think uh now one thing that concerned me a little bit is you know i talked about the the foreign markets a little bit they broke out and they've come right back to their downtrend line so the foreign market's got a hold here uh and the other thing i'll talk about is the 10-year yield on the 10-year note yield and one of the things i think you have to look at is the rsi momentum remains a deeply oversold matter of fact it's the most oversold i've seen so, you know, since, I mean, it's been a while, okay, uh, you know, probably 20 years. So what that means is, is the momentum, so the yield comes down when the momentum becomes oversold. So there's a very good chance that there's going to be a pop in yield. So that would be, uh, you know, when I'd be paying attention. But the junk bonds, uh, they failed to break out, but they haven't broken down either, okay? So I, I don't see, uh, you know, usually with junk bonds, there's a problem you see it first in junk bonds, like, you know, back in October, they were the first thing that broke down. So when there's financial stress, uh, that's what you look for. The U.S. dollar, had, you know, broke its uptrend line, went back above its uptrend line, and it fell down below. So it could have been a uh, what they call a failed breakout. Uh, so, you know, my question is, is it a failed breakout or is it part of the ongoing consolidation? And, and I don't know the answer to that. So uh, I think that's one you got to watch because if the dollar starts to, to head south, That'll mean that you probably want to be looking at value stocks and foreign stocks. Okay. Uh, I thought it would have happened by now. Uh, and by the way, crude looks like it's made a, you know, a little bit of a W bottom and you're starting to see the momentum turn from oversold territory. So oil could have a, a move up. And uh, like, I want to caution everybody. I, I talked about gold about a month ago. It's made a big move now, okay? So, I mean, you know, if you bought it at the right time, you're probably up 60, 70 bucks. 
Uh, you're probably up, uh, you know, I mean, most of the gold stocks are up 50, 60 percent. Uh, we're at the top of the trend line now. So you got to wait, you know, let it ease back to you a little bit. And, uh, you know, gold's still outperforming copper pretty drastically. One of the things that interests me is the LX, XLF, uh, the financials. They haven't broken out, but haven't broken down. And there's some smart people buying them. Some smart people, and I'm going to talk about that in the next part of the show. Um, oh, no, this the last part of the show. Uh, I am seeing some breakdown in some of the communication equipment companies. And uh, the semiconductors broke out of a, of a bad scenario, came right back to the breakout point, and are holding. So that would be a big, big positive if they were to hold. All right. Uh, so, uh, by the way, in the meantime, if you'd like to get any of our lists, our best idea list, our dividend growth portfolio, our uh, American Depository Receipts portfolio, or our prime income list, uh, you know, go to WHK1420, go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes and hit the contact me. Thanks. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, one of the things I guess I'll say first is the bullish percent uh, has broken down now, and it's in a column of O's. What is the bullish percent? It's our main risk guide. So this goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everything's hot to trot, and everybody's talking up the portfolio, and we're going to the moon, Alice, right? And then when you get below 30, uh, people don't even own up, open up their 401k statement, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's got the blues. You got the bear market blues, right? Um, and, and uh, there's other things to it, like, uh, are domestic equities in favor or are they out of favor? Well, right now they're in favor. So it's hard to say, Hey, get out of the market. Uh, but you want to be paying attention. Like I said in the, in the second part of the show, you know, you want to be looking at your portfolio, making sure things, um, you know, if it's a fee-based account, you can always buy it back, you know, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, sometimes between we're at 40 right now, and sometimes from 40 down to 20 can be very painful. And we are in a very weak period of time for equities. You know, there's nobody on the floor at the New York Stock Exchange. They're all in the Hamptons. They're all at Newport. They're all at uh, the Vineyard, you know, whatever. Now, one thing that happened this week uh, is the cash bogey, Check and that's what you're doing is you're looking at the relative strength of international stocks versus the money market. The international stocks lost, so it's better to be in the money market uh, right at the moment. Okay, so uh, we said it live here. Uh, so the bullish percent was down almost uh, seven percentage points in, in a week. Uh, this week we were down another one point five. Uh, the over the counter index was interesting was up. So small stocks, which we've been talking about, you know, why aren't they outperforming? They're the lowest level we've ever seen. They're holding. International stocks were up. So maybe this dollar thing is, is coming. So, uh, but, you know, the bullish chart, we didn't really see a whole lot of movement is what it came down to. So domestic equities are still number one. International equities are number two. But like I said, they, they, uh, they failed. And it's not all the international equities. It had to do with Venezuela. You know they're they're probably defaulting on their bonds again, and you you uh, every every stock that I saw that was had, you know was from Venezuela was down thirty percent last week, so that that was part of the international problem. Fixed incomes picking up against international, uh, for obvious reasons. I mean the the bond market just rallied three points. Uh, commodities are still at the lunch. Cash is uh, is king against commodities, currencies, and international equities. Now currencies are a dead laughs. So, I mean, if I was looking at a chart versus international equities versus fixed income, fixed income turned up, uh, international equities turned down. So there we go. Most of the indexes look great long-term. Uh, short-term, there, there's some negative momentum going on, and that's what I think you got to keep in mind. You know, look, if you own a business, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my clients own businesses are, you know, uh, you know, I got a couple partners in law firms and they run a business. Okay. You know, you know, you're not in business for two weeks or two days. You know, CNBC wants you to do that. So they create, you know, they create the trading atmosphere. Warren Buffett is a great investor 
and he likes to hold things forever. That's a long time. Forever is a long time. And if you run a business, you know, I was talking about how, you know, if you've built this business up, you know, some of these people are offering you nothing right now. You know, the private equity firms, their, their job is to buy it from you cheap. And the difference between that, the bid and ask between private equity and an investment banker are just huge. That happens in the stock market, too. So you business owners know better. You know, some days you have bad days, some days you have good days, okay? Some days you get, you know, I just talked to a guy who, who uh, you know, owns a jar company. And he's got a first new order for his first piece of equipment. He was very happy playing golf with him the other day, okay? So, uh, you know, remember, if you're buying a really good company, the ups and downs daily shouldn't bug you too much, okay? They will, but they don't. They shouldn't, okay? So, look, it's been undoubtedly been a volatile start to the month of August. I mean, the U.S.-China wars, Hong Kong, oh, man, you know, the Iran in the Strait of Suez, uh, the V, uh, the CBO volatility index spiked to 22 last Wednesday. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, oh boy, I mean, it's been all over the charts, but I mean, you can think of a lot of reasons. So I looked at the, some default charts with our friends from Dorsey Wright, uh, you know, who provide us with a bullish percent. They're kind of the keepers of it. And if you look at the S&P 500 on a default chart, it doesn't look so good. But if you make it a 20-point chart, which is a little bit shorter term, it looks like it's a triangle pattern. So it be interesting to see if it broke out of the triangle pattern this, this uh, on Friday. So there we go. Now, we're down to six favored sectors, <laughs> and one of them is electric utilities. And, the, and, and what's interesting is that's at the top of its trend line, and its relative performance versus the S&P 500 hadn't picked up. Waste management is at 60 uh, and that I'm seeing more and more stocks in that area that are looking good. Semiconductors I talked about earlier, they're at 50, and they look really, really good, and they came right back and held, okay? Precious metals in Wall Street are 45, and then protection services at 30. We have a whole bunch of groups that are not favored. <laughs> I said that because a couple of people bought some of them last week. And they're at 30 or below, and, and at, at, at 10 is oil, at uh, 18 is oil service, at 24 is drugs, uh, forest paper products, and retail. At 30 are biotechnology, techno, uh, textiles, machinery, uh, chemicals, uh, non-ferrous metals, and steel. Okay, so uh, you know I, I really didn't see much in that sect in the sector stuff that uh, made me shout and jump up and run all about. You know what I mean? Protection Services was the only group that went uh, higher favored. Electric Utilities actually was most favored. Fell down to just favored now, and uh, computers and building went to unfavored, and forest and paper products went out the door. So, um, you know, I was, I was looking at international stocks, and I was trying to find something that uh, would make me, you know, uh, really be happy. <laughs> and the closest I could come was Argentina. You know, they they broke out and then broke down, and then they went to a calm of X's this last week. So, uh, I'm not saying you know dump your entire 401k into Argentina. I just, you know, I, I'm not even recommending it. It's for traders only. Uh, but fixed income is probably the most uh, interesting area because we have rallied three three points in the bond market, which is, believe me, you could have made a fortune <laughs> if you would have been in the bond market. But the, the continued decline in rates remains a tailwind for a large swath of domestic fixed income market. So, uh, you know, if you look at the TLT, the TLT actually broke out on its relative strength chart versus the S&P 500. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a bullish triangle, which is uh, very positive. And the AGG now sits, uh, you know, at a, if it breaks 113.40, uh, it would be a double top break. That would be extremely, extremely positive. So, uh, you know, there we go. Um, here, here's some things, you know, I'm noticing. You know, oil looks like it may be making a like a w bottom and it's been negative for about three or four weeks and i noticed the open interest for the, uh, a much higher contract uh there was a huge trade there okay this week and uh i mean it's huge <laughs> uh so somebody thinks oil's going over 60 i don't know if they're right or not you never know uh and and you know somebody also sold the contract and they probably bought the oil beneath it, you know, for locked in a pretty good return. 
But gold's been positive for a couple of weeks, and I think you, you just, like I said before, I think you just whoa, just hold back a you know a little bit and and buy it, buy gold on and gold stocks by the way and dip now. For those of you who like gold, gold's fine, but gold stocks have a lot more leverage. Remember, they got killed on the way down. I mean, literally killed because of leverage. But on the way back up, that might be the place to go because they're really cheap. All right. Uh, copper continues to be weak and corn's just getting pounded. They found out that they have a lot more corn, even with all the rain, than they thought. And then we talk about relative strength. And uh, this week, <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, we had a lot of well, relative strength changes. And look, what we're trying to do with your portfolio and what, what we do at, at RBC is we work with the fundamentals. We're looking for the best fundamental idea. Then we match it to the favored sector, okay? And then we look at the technicals of the stock. You know, the chart okay is, is a relative strength buy signal because relative strength is important. You want to be in the top stock in the top group, okay? Simple as that. So these are names you want to probably jot down. These are relative strength buy signals. Sometimes these last a long, long time. I mean, Pepsi's been on relative buy, uh, buy signal for 12 years. Danaher for 20, you know, that type of thing. Genpak, which has also been showing up on my machine. Overstock, which is a, kind of a Bitcoin play. Uh, MAG Silver, Universal Electronics, uh, which uses, uh, well, anyway. Uh, Western Digital, big dividend there. Synchronous Technologies. Nevro and the medical products have made a big move. Liberty Media. Now, that's kind of interesting because... Uh, that hasn't been around much. Appian, which is in the software business, we have a great report on that if you like. Uh, Decera Pharmaceuticals, which made a big move last week. Um, well Tower, which is a, a real estate investment trust. Carbon Black, which uh, I didn't buy. I, I watched it and I didn't buy it. And Procter & Gamble uh, gave a relative strength buy signal. By the way, it's the first buy signal on, on uh, Procter & Gamble uh, in, a, in a pretty long time. So... On the sell side, we've got a lot of them, okay? Uh, and I'll just say we have three pages of them. So I'm just going to give you the highlights. Um, EZPW, great uh, tel- television, which was, they had a big article in Barron's about how positive they were on that. Blue Cora, uh, CAI International, um, Accelerated Technologies, some big people behind that one. Uh, Interdigital Communications Corp, Kronos Worldwide, Merit Medical, MYR, uh, Vertusa, Quinn Street, Barry Plastics, uh, Exxon Company, Asperian Ther- Therapeutics, uh, Inogen, which is another medical product company, uh, New Relic. Uh, boy, I, our analyst made a great call going ne- neutral on that one. He, he hit it almost the high. Uh, Tallgrass Energy, which is an MLP, Virtue Financial, Glaucus, uh, P- uh, PQ Group Holdings, Kronos Worldwide, Cleveland Cliffs, and, and there's more. So we probably had three times as many sells uh, as buys. So what you're seeing is people are giving up completely on a lot of the value stocks. Okay? They're just, there's no bid. So I think the dollar has to rally or has to sell off against other currencies before the value stocks start to pick up. Uh, but we do have the biggest spread I've seen since 2000 between value and growth right now. And I'd love to show it to you. Uh, you know, go, go to WHK 1420, go to the local podcast, go to my webpage. And if you want to, you know, contact me, you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, uh, contact me, phone numbers there, et cetera. Hey, we're going to be right back with Insider. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Now we uh, we talk about insiders, and uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And if you miss part of the show, you can always go to WHK fourteen twenty AM, and uh, you go to local podcasts. Go down to Tim Hayes, and if you you know you missed the first half of the show, starting Tuesday at noon, they replay the show, so you can hear the first part of the show. And if you know if I say something and you don't believe it, you can go back and listen to the show and say yes or no, whatever. But uh, if you want to contact me and, and uh, have a cup of coffee or, you know, something else, you have breakfast or whatever, uh, give me a call. Um, or, you know, just email me. It's simple, very simple process. Um, we always talk about insiders. And, uh, you know, 
Look, insiders know their companies way better than you and I do. And when they buy, and I'm not talking about 500 shares or 1,000 shares. I'm talking big purchases here, okay? Guys who are putting a lot of money on the line. You know, you can sell stock all day long, and all that tells me is that you're, you need money. You want to buy a Porsche or house on the coast of Marseille or something like that. But when you buy in the open market, you buy for one reason. That's to make money. All right, so let's start out with Sarepta Therapeutics, the president and CEO who had been selling stock over the last year, bought $2 million worth, and the stock had dropped from 160 down to 125. So he he dropped. Now, Symantec, we've talked about this one before, and our uh, uh, Peter Feld, who's a director of Starboard Value, went out and made three purchases this week. One was 1.325 million shares, paid 23 for it. That's, uh, by the way, 30.4 million. Then he bought 985,000 shares. Then he bought 3,014,191 shares. That's a big chunk of change. That's $150 million he just spent. Moved his position up from 5% to 7.1%. So Symantec, something going on there. Now, General Electric, this is really interesting because uh, there, there was a guy who was the guy who, you know, kind of told on Madoff, Bernie Madoff, the big, you know, the guy that ripped everybody off in New York City. Uh, he came out and said that General Electric has nothing. They're cheating, they're lying, whatever. Now, he works for a hedge fund. How much you want to bet that hedge fund was short? <laughs> but in the meantime, Kevin Cox, Vice President of General Electric, uh, bought 105,000 shares. Uh, Larry Culp, CEO, at $7.93, bought 252,000 shares. Uh, two, uh, a firm bought 7.2 million shares, who just happens to be a money manager. Stanley Druckenmiller. You know, there's two guys you got to know about from George Soros' day. Stanley Druckenmiller, who was probably one of the top, you know, especially when he's going long, and also uh, the guy from White Oak, uh, Tom Barton. They're they're probably George Soros' two biggest superstars. So he plunges, and Stan Druckenmiller says he bought the stock. So. A lot of people buying GE on the way down. I, I don't know the answer to that one. That's a tough one. Uh, AES Corporation, the, the president and CEO, after a drop from 1750 down to, to 1540, uh, stepped up to the plate and bought $7.8 million worth of stock. Uh, that is not, you know, chump change. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, now here's one that, uh, our analysts, uh, which I thought was kind of really interesting, uh, downgraded at 90, and it's 2U, Inc., uh, and they're in the application software area. So it was going from 90 to 15 from basically March. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, I think in March it was uh, 80. Uh, I think it was in January it was 90. Uh, So it's 15 and a half, and we have two insiders by a million dollars each. They've been selling for three years. Um. Oh, and I'm I'm sorry. Um, General Investment Management reported a 15% stake in SecureWork, uh, which is a company that uh, Michael Dell backed for a long time. And then uh, Ryman Hospitality Properties, the chairman and CEO, bought a million dollars at a new high. That's always you like to see. And then Mednex, which is healthcare specialized medicine services, the stock's down from uh, 45 to 2260. And uh, there's a group that they bought eight times on an average of about uh, 1.8 million shares each time, or $1.8 million each time. So MD is a symbol there. Uh, And by by the way, I forgot to mention that last week, Larry Culp of GE at $9.50 bought $2.9 million worth, and Kevin Cox bought $994,000. And Tom Horton, these are all executive vice presidents, bought 498000 So here we have these guys buying two weeks in a row, 
So after it dipped, they bought more. So I, I you know, I, you love seeing executives do stuff like that, and and uh, I especially do. And then Red Rock Resorts, uh, one of the directors, a guy named Fertitello, had he bought four times, seven point seven million twice, and then six point four million twice. Uh, the stocks, you know, was thirty dollars is now thirteen. They bought a lot, and then Netflix, the first insider buy in two years, uh, a director bought two million dollars worth. And then Dish, you know, Dish Networks, which was a $45 stock uh, literally a month ago, is now 32 The chairman uh, and CEO uh, bought uh, $9.5 million, then $3.1, and then $3.1 million. And then Pinnacle Financial Group, after a back off from 62 down to 54 a director bought a $1 million worth. And J.P. Morgan, these guys have a great track record. Uh, a director bought 21,000 shares at 108 That's a good chunk of change. And our friends, the Baker Brothers, brought uh, bought Equinox Pharmaceuticals. They owned 11 million shares. They bought another 311,000 at uh, at a new high. All right, so there we go. Uh, a lot of new insider buys. I would say the list for insider buys was absolutely huge. I mean, just absolutely huge this week. So we'll leave it. To, uh, oh, uh, there was a couple more. Right Medical uh, had several people buy you know 400 500 thousand shares uh resonant which is a little two dollar stock for you guys like to gamble uh the director bought a million shares a million dollars and then uh, regional management which is a financial house uh basswood partners which owns a big position uh bought about uh, 1.5 million all right so look um i've been looking at the market and i i, I listened to bob dickey this week and i listened to bob schleimer who's with Fundstrat. Uh, you know, Bob Dickey is our head technical strategist and really good at what he does. He talks about these choppy and volatile periods, and they, they often follow pullbacks from, you know, high points. And he thinks that's what we're going into right now. Uh, you know, and we, we look, we had it back in, uh, in March, April, May, and June of uh, 2018. Then we had it again right before the sell-off in December. Uh, and then we had it again, you know, right after the, the market rebounded. So, uh, he thinks more of that's going to happen. But if you look, um, the short-term market may be uh, more volatile, but the overall trend of the past two years is still within a 10% range. So it, it hasn't been a terribly lucrative time to be involved. Uh, by the way, there was a dip below that, and that was obviously in December. But most of the time it's been within a 10% range is what he's trying to say. Uh, so, you know, we're bouncing around a lot. And, uh, what we what I've said we we've, we've had these big moves up since 2009, and then we have these sideways markets where there's a lot of whoops, you know, a 15% whoop, a 20% whoop, or 19.5. It's they've never had a bear market, you know, it's, but it's 19.8 and 20% is a bear market, which is a stupid, you know, rule. But we've had several of these 19% moves. We've had a lot of 12% moves. We had a lot of 5% moves. A lot of 7% moves, and then they bounce back up. So I think you're going to see a lot more volatility. But nothing's really changed since 2019. We're still in the uptrend. You, you know, you just you look at it and you say, yeah, nothing's really changed. You know, there's, we're still going up is what it comes down to. So um, it, it's kind of tough because right now we're we're investing by tweet. And it, it's, you know, you can't invest by tweet. But what you should be doing, I think, is because I think the cycle's still up in a big, big way. Because, look, there's no stress in the bond market. You know, the junk bonds haven't blown up. Uh you know, the, the the retail numbers came out this week. They were dynamite. Uh, and, and they sell retail stocks off like they were, you know, the, nobody's ever gone shopping, you know. And it's not just Amazon. It's, it's other people. Macy's was off 10%, though, this week. Uh, you know, they're in the wrong place. They're in the malls. But, you know, there are people making money in the, and and people are spending more. So there's got to be something going on. But anyway, it, it's, it's a tough market, uh, you know, because leadership has not shown up. Okay, and that's that's the big problem. You know, you need leadership uh, when you only have six sectors that are favored. Leadership is not showing its head yet. So until it does, uh, you know, when it does, I will let you know. And <laughs> until then, we're kind of out to, out to lunch, unfortunately. So it's it's kind of a difficult market. It's, we've been like this uh, since January. I mean, we haven't had a lot of favored sectors this year. So uh, you know, I've been telling people. I think this is you know. It's going to last longer than we expected. Bob Dickey even said it. Uh, 
at our uh, our conference, and I, I think it's going to continue that way. So, uh, anyway, we're we're talking about a fall uh, uh, seminar and just going to talk about retirement because I think it's important. You know, uh, very very important, and and uh, we'll, we'll get those details together and let you know soon. In the meantime, uh, what I would be doing is I'd be looking. Uh, the dividend growth portfolio now yields more than both the 10-year and the 30-year treasury. Now, they've bought those up. What comes next? Well, we'll see. But I also think, you know, you've got to be careful with bonds here. I wouldn't be a buyer of bonds here. Me personally, as I as you know, I always buy bonds or, or anything that has a yield on it when the yield is up, not when it's down. Okay, if you like our new newsletter, uh, go to WHK 1420 AM. Uh, if you go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes. Uh, they have all sorts of ways to get a hold of me. You can call me. Uh, you can, it's just contact me, email me, all that good stuff. It's all there. But our best idea list, our dividend growth. Remember, everybody's bearish. The American Association of Individual Investors, the fourth lowest bear, uh, bullish number that I can remember. All right. That's a good thing. The Fed is lowering rates. They're stopped taking money out of the economy. That's a good thing. Don't get too bearish. I think the fourth quarter is going to be a good quarter. In the meantime, it's a hot weekend. Enjoy yourself. Fall's almost here. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes, the Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.